Good morning. Glad that I have this opportunity to continue our study in the Sermon of the Mount. So if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 43. Brother Rick has the week off, and he and Miss Gina are taking some much-needed rest uh, this past week and today. So we're thankful for the service that they've had, and I'm thankful for the privilege and honor to continue uh, this sermon series that is quite challenging for the believer. And that's really what's going on in the section we're at is Jesus is really penetrating the heart of those that would say, I'm a kingdom citizen. And today, really, what we're going to see is the stark contrast between the thinking and teaching of the day on love and the love that God demands of his people. And I want to look at two things this morning. First, natural love, and then lastly, heavenly love. First, natural love, and then heavenly love. Let's read verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now this kind of goes along with what we've been reading thus far, beginning in 21, with teaching of the day. Now there's some portions along the way that we see direct quotes from other parts of the law and scripture. But then there's sometimes additional things. And we definitely have that in our text today. So first we see, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Well, that's a quote from Leviticus 19, verse 18. Would you flip with me there? Leviticus 19, 18. And really, moving back to verse 17 gives us a little bit more of what's being done here. Some commentators think that uh, the teaching has actually eliminated or purposely left out portions of this quote from Leviticus and the teaching. But Leviticus 19, beginning of verse 17, this is instructions from the Lord to his people we find in the law. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Really, we have two different kinds of love. The teaching of the day was a very self-serving love. A love that pleased and, and from the outward appearance appeared to be righteous. That was the aim of the people. That was the aim of the religious leaders of the day to appear righteous. But that only goes so far. So the question we got to ask ourselves, is there ever any command that says, hate your enemy, hate your enemy? Well, let's look over just in Leviticus 19, verse 33. 33. Here we have the sojourner, the stranger, the one that doesn't have a place to call home. He comes into Israel. How should you treat him? Well, let's see. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
That passage right there actually seems as if it contradicts the teaching and saying of hate your neighbor. But instead, the stranger, the outsider, should be loved as you love yourself. Well, let's look at Exodus 23. Exodus 23. And this has enemies in it. How does the Lord instruct his people on their enemies? Exodus 23. Verse 4 with me, Exodus 23, 4. This natural love that we see is definitely limited, but not condoned in Scripture. Look at verse 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. You see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. We actually see a command, instruction for the Israelite or the Jew of the day to actually love and care and seek the good of their enemy, the outsider. Actually, the quite opposite of hate your enemy. So the question is, where did this teaching come from? A few weeks back, we looked at divorce. We saw that actually there's Jewish writings that have two parties, then two different opinions and thinking on divorce. We had the one group that was very liberal on it that said that if a wife was to burn a meal, that is a cause for divorce. Or those that were a little bit more stricter that said only sexual immorality or unfaithfulness was an opportunity or a way for divorce. But there's no teaching in the Jewish writings prior to this that supports hatred of one's enemy. So where did this thinking come from? Well, the simple answer, the heart of man. The heart of man. Natural love is hindered by man's heart. We can know this just from our own selves. If unchecked, our heart will go towards sin. And the natural man, unchecked with natural love that is self-serving and self-seeking, will not seek the good of those that are around them, especially those that they would consider their enemy. If we were to flip over to Mark chapter 7, we'd see Jesus having a conflict with the Pharisees again. Really disturbed with the fact that he's not teaching his disciples as he ought. They're concerned with the fact that these guys aren't washing their hands. Mark gives a lot of detail in there. And he goes on to say that they'll wash their pots, they'll wash the couches, they'll wash all these things. Because outward appearance was everything for a Jew at this time. Looking and presenting yourself as if you were right before the Lord and looked honorable before others was of utmost importance for the Jew. Jesus goes on to confront these religious leaders. He goes on further. His disciples ask him, hey, what were you getting at here? He says, here's what I'm getting at. Really, everything that comes out of man comes from the heart. So the murder, the rage, the lust... All that comes from us that is contrary to truth and what is right comes from the heart. Jeremiah says it's desperately sick. 
So what happened? They took a little bit of the law and a little bit of the heart and they mixed it together and they have natural love that is hindered by their hearts. Question comes up, enemies. Now for you and me today, this is, this is a little bit more challenging. For the Jew of the day, they would consider their enemies Rome, who was oppressing them. We even see an illustration just here in a moment with that of the tax collector who was most likely a Jew at first, but denied his rights so that he could pursue greed and money. The Gentile, just anybody outside of their camps. If we were in Ukraine today, it might be easy to say who our enemy is. But for you and me, who is our enemy? Who is it that we're called to not hate, but to love? Well, first we see that it's those that persecute us. Those that actually have evil intent to bring harm upon us. Those who desire to bring harm and hatred and destroy who we are because of what we stand for and who we live for. Now that looks a little bit different in America than it does in Afghanistan. But don't think that the norm that we see today will stay that way. And as the ever-growing celebration of what is evil and the less popular growing and hatred and ostracizing that what is good continues, we will see ourselves facing more and more, quote, enemies, those that hate and have evil intent towards us. But in a real general sense, it's those that think different from us. Those that have a different worldview, where they do not come from the basis of Scripture and their thinking. So here's what's going to happen. On all manners of life, they think different from you and me, for those of us who are in Jesus Christ. They long to see their lives elevated, and we long to see Him elevated. We find what is true in the Word of God. They find what is true, whatever pleases their flesh at that point. There's an opposition as they think different from us, the enemies. For the Jew of the day, it's hatred toward those on the outside. It's hatred. Because natural love is hindered by the heart. But also natural love is limited in its scope and reward. Let's look at verses 46 and 47 of Matthew 5. Verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus is saying, hey, let me let you understand. Natural love, it's limited to just those that will give you what you want. It's all self-serving. It's not the true agape love that we hear about that is sacrificial. Instead, it pursues only those that will pursue them back with good. And what he does is Jesus is really pushing and offending many in his crowd, possibly. For you to say that my love is like a tax collector? The one that was a Jew that says, I'll give up my religion. I'll give up my family and all of pursuit of money. And I'll rob my own people in order to gain that. That's the tax collector of the day. Some would even say that they are a greater sinner than that of a murderer. And you're telling me my love's like 
that person? What he's saying is limited love. Oh, it's only for those that love you back. Hey, even the tax collectors, the sinner does that. The quote-unquote bad Jew of the day does that. 47, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Your apparent attempt to present yourself as righteous before others, it's no more righteous than that of a Gentile. The one that doesn't have the Holy Scriptures. The one that doesn't praise and honor Yahweh. Instead, this is the pagan. You're saying my love is just like that if I just greet my brothers? Yes, Jesus says. Because natural love is limited in scope and in reward. There's no reward for this. No reward. Really, natural love is just limited in general. An example today is humanitarian efforts. Though good in their efforts, it's limited in its impact. Clothing, hunger, medicine, all these things are necessary, but they don't meet the real need of individuals, the soul and heart. So natural love always comes up short. So for you and me, the listener, the audience this morning, we kind of were longing for something greater. And for Jesus' disciples, true kingdom citizens, there is something greater pushed before them. That's heavenly love or a higher love. Let's look at verse 44. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Was the law lacking? Did he has to clarify to love your enemies? No. We've already seen that natural love is limiting. And it only looks to those that will give us something in return. It's not true love. But it always had the intent of being a much broader. We've already seen this in Exodus. Seen this in Leviticus. But we see this demonstrated in Luke chapter 10. I think it's worth us flipping over to Luke chapter 10 and reading a parable that all of us are familiar with. But it really begins with this commandment. Loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor. So who is our neighbor? How far out does that extend? Jesus clarifies. In Luke chapter 10 verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down 
that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound him up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to, his, to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay. And when I come back, which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Two of those individuals were men of God, who we would have, or what they would have seen as a righteous one, one that knew the word and taught the word. And both of them neglected their fellow brother. But it says the enemy, the Samaritan, the one that was outside the camp, he's the one that, what? Showed mercy, had compassion. Heavenly love is broad in its scope, and the reward is great. He says what the reward is, so that you may be sons of your father. Sons of your father. What a wonderful truth. A demonstration of a true disciple really comes down to how do you engage with those outside of the faith? For those that would intend to do you harm, whether physically or in regards to your career or your family, financially, how do you respond to them? For the believer in Jesus Christ, for the true disciple, for the kingdom citizen, we are called to have heavenly love. And that love is not limited like natural love. That love is actually broad in its scope and it's rewarding rewarding we actually get an example of this it says pray for those who persecute you Gary Carson on his commentary on Matthew he said the more you love the more prayer the more prayer the more love it's hard to hate the one that you're praying for it's hard to lift up the one before the throne of God and to wish evil upon them because the Lord is aware of our hearts Unchecked, it'll go to that natural love. But he's calling us to a heavenly love. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen models this for us. Stephen, first called a deacon, then a very passionate teacher on the word, confronting those that would oppose the faith, giving a defense, accused wrongly, being stoned there at the end, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His last statements before his death was to pray for the ones that were throwing the stones at him. That's a heavenly love. It's broad in its scope and most rewarding. We see an example, and we'll look further at the Father, but the Son himself. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, I'll read it for us. Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus Christ, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, is, Jesus laying down his life was a sacrifice, an image of what true heavenly love is. 
considering others of higher importance than yourself. That's the kind of love citizens of the kingdom are called to have. Heavenly love is not limited, but is actually broad in its scope and rewarding. But really, we see that there's a great example. Heavenly love is is shown through the Father. Look at verse 46, I mean 45 again. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is the only one who can distinguish between the righteous and the unrighteous. The only one that can really declare good and evil. And even he demonstrates love on both. Now we can't take this as far to say that all will be saved. This is what we call common grace. But what he's demonstrating to the people of God is that he loves his creation. He loves humanity. And he does it better than you and I could ever do. Actually, so much so that it's all wrapped up in the good news, what we call the gospel, is him demonstrating how much love he has towards his enemies. All of humanity could be called enemies of God outside of Jesus Christ. See, heavenly love is not you being a coward. Not you speaking truth. Passage I read before my prayer was 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Says that love celebrates truth. Truth is right and good, and actually, true love has truth with it. The gospel is filled with truth. The truth that we are all rebellious sinners. All of humanity, all of humankind has turned their backs on the good and right. Father and Creator, instead of looking and honoring Him, praising Him, demonstrating that He is greatest and best, instead we look to ourselves and promote our own agendas and our own lives. Instead of taking His precious Word and valuing it and seeing the goodness of who He is, we deny its truth, its power, its authority, and instead do as we please. All of us are rebellious Sinners, that's truth. And there's truth in the fact that he is a holy, righteous God. Though patient, he will not let sin go unpunished. And all of humanity is set against him, separated. Separated from the God of the universe. The most loving and kind and gracious being separated because of sin. This is truth. And deserving of wrath. His anger towards sin. All of us deserving of that. But it's true also that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die while we were still enemies. Still hostile towards him. He sent Jesus Christ to do the one thing that we couldn't do but should have done. Which is honor the father. Obey his commandments perfectly. Live the perfect life 
went to the cross, bore the weight and punishment that every single individual is deserving, took that upon himself, the wrath of God, drank that cup, went to the grave, was buried, rose again three days later. That's truth. And it's true that those that would repent, acknowledge that their sin has severed that relationship from them and the Father, and look to Jesus Christ and his work, that they will be saved. That's truth as well. The Heavenly Father, he actually demonstrates and shows us what true heavenly love is. He's the example. He's the standard for love. Though we love our brothers and sisters in Christ and we see examples and encouragement amongst one another, your love won't do it for me. There's got to be a higher love that I have to look and seek for in regards to how I am to live my life. And that is God himself. Perfect love. And really that's what we get in verse 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You and I are called to be like our heavenly father. Called to love like he loves. Called to interact with humanity like he interacts with humanity. With patience and kindness and extending mercy to those even outside of our camp. Even those that would intend to hurt us and harm us. That's the call of a true citizen believer. And really we could take 48 to be the cap of verses 21 through our passage. Looking at anger, looking at lust, looking at the marriage and the oaths and retaliation. Our example is God. Therefore, while on this earth, we'll never seek perfection. So we're constantly striving, meaning that we're not passive believers just standing aside, but we're engaged in our life, engaged in the word, being sure that we're daily transformed and looking and striving to be like him in all that we do. That is what he's calling us to as kingdom citizens. What a wonderful truth. So how do we love our enemy? Simply says, if we greet our brothers, those that we love, that's a, that's a way. But it's praying and sharing the goodness of the gospel. So you have physical neighbors that are outside this camp. You have family members, co-workers that don't know the love of Jesus Christ. Your call is to love them with a heavenly love, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the individual that is yet to experience his loving and kindness, my plea for you, my prayer for you is you would understand that he is a good and great God. But your sin will not go unpunished unless you repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's very clear that you call us to a higher standard of living. And in regards to our relationships, we are called, called to love. Not only a brother and sister, but, Father, our enemy. Lord, this is a challenge, and we realize that we are weak and limited. And it's really this love is not in us, but it comes through you. And we don't understand love until we've experienced it through your son, Jesus Christ. So help us 
and the relationships that we have that we would look to ways in which we can extend mercy and share the good truth that you are kind and loving and sent your son, Jesus Christ. Let us respond in ways that are right and honorable and good. And we'd look to you as the ultimate example. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.